Well, I'd like to ask you to uh, turn with me in your Bibles, and uh, we're going to read yet again uh, from John chapter 17. Uh, this is the fifth and the last time that we'll be hearing it, uh, but I trust that also just having that repetition, it just reminds us of the entirety of this prayer and just how it all fits together. Uh, this time we're coming to the very end of the high priestly prayer, as it's called, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and... The theme of the sermon is Christ prays for us to be with him to see his glory. So we're going to read together then from John 17. Just a reminder that this is prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ just before he uh, went to the cross. This is the word of the Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. 
So, Father, reading from John 17, let's just sing together the last two verses from Psalm 24. We sang verse 1, 2, and 3 earlier. Now let's sing stanzas 4 and 5. text for this uh, morning sermon is John 17, verse 24 to 26. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. It's particularly verse 24 of these three verses that I'll be focusing on. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, do you you think about heaven very much? Do you think about what it's like and what it's going to be like to be there? Over five weeks, we've made our way through John chapter 17, the so-called high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, a prayer that he, he prayed to the Father just before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and from there on to the cross and to the crucifixion. He prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. But as he prayed for these things, he mostly prayed for and he mostly prayed about glory. The glory that was His from before the foundation of the world, the glory that belongs to the Father, 
the glory that Christ would be given after he ascended into heaven and the glory that we might share when we are with him in heaven. And it was this glory and our sharing in this glory when we are with Christ in heaven that our Lord Jesus Christ focused on at the conclusion of this prayer. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And so turning to these last verses of John 17, preach God's word to you under this theme. Christ prays for us to be with him to see his glory. Christ prays for us to be with him to see his glory. Two points. First, Christ's desire. And second, Christ's glory. Well, John chapter 17, which we, we know of as, as Christ's high priestly prayer, it was the prayer that our Lord Jesus prayed to the Father as he was on his way to Gethsemane. That's chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus spoke in these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Hydron, where there was a garden where he and his disciples entered. So he's just about to go to Gethsemane. From there, he's going to go back into Jerusalem. He's going to be arrested, pulled back into Jerusalem, and he's going to be suffering, and he's going to go on to die on the cross. These are going to happen within hours of this prayer. And Jesus knows it. He's come to the end of his ministry. He'd spent three years teaching his disciples. He'd been traveling around throughout the country. He'd been preaching. He'd been healing. He'd been declaring that the kingdom was here. And now he had one last thing that he needed to do. Yes, indeed, a very major thing to do. And that was to make payment or atonement for sin. He'd do that through his suffering and death on the cross. But as you read through John chapter 17, one of the striking things about this prayer is that Jesus isn't really focused so much on the cross, but he's, he's looking beyond that cross to what comes afterwards. He's already got his eyes fixed on the prize, on what's to come, about what it's going to be like once he's completed his work and he's ascended back into heaven. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 4. This is what he said. He said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. So he's speaking as if he's finished it already. And since it's all but finished, he can look forward to being with God in heaven. So verse 5, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence in heaven with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And so in full anticipation of his ascension to heaven, and being received into glory, he prays again in verse 11. He says, and I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I'm coming to you. Verse 13, but now I am coming to you. And so this is what we need to really think about and keep in our minds as we read through this prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 17. He's come to the end of his work on earth. He's about to suffer. And now he's praying that these people who are with him, his disciples, that they would be with him beyond that time of suffering. They would be with him in his glory. And that's why he also ends this prayer in the same way, verse 24 then. Father, I desire that those also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. 
Now, this prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's striking. And it's striking that this is really what he's focused on at this time. That we, we as people, those whom the Father has given to him, that they would be with him, not on earth, but in heaven. That they might experience, that they might share that, that, that glory that is his. Now, I'm not sure that we think about this enough. I'm not sure that I think about it enough anyway. I'm not sure that our desire to be with Christ matches Christ's desire for us to be with Him. I want you to think about that. I'm not so sure that our desire to be with Christ matches the desire that Christ has for us to be with Him. And I want us to to explore this a bit more this morning. Now, now when you go through the Bible, you'll see that it does speak about the wonder of being with Christ. The Bible does speak about just how awesome it's going to be that we're going to be with God in His glory. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Some examples, I'll just read them to you. Job, Job chapter 19, 25 to 27. This is from the Old Testament. What does he say? He says, I know my Redeemer lives, and at last He will stand upon the earth And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold and not another. And then Job says, my heart faints within me. It's like, this is just incredible. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. But then the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul, he says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. See, that's 2 Corinthians 4. And, and the next chapter, chapter 5, verse 8. Yes, we're of good courage, and we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And I'll just give you one more. Philippians 1, verse 23, Paul says, My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. And so... As you read through the Bible, you see the Bible speaks about the blessing and the wonder of being with Christ in heaven and of of seeing His glory. And this is something which we may yearn for, and we tend to do that, and, and I see that also as we get older, particularly as our earthly tent, that is our human bodies, begins to break down, uh, and we look forward more and more to being in the presence of God and knowing that that time is coming soon. And then we think about God's glory and we think about being at home with the Lord. We don't always think that way. When we're older, we don't always think that way, but certainly not when we're younger and, and fit and healthy as well. I dare say that for most, if not all of us, Our lives and even our desires are so often so very focused to our life here on earth. And our experiences here on earth, they can quickly cloud our hopes and our vision of the life that is to come. Of that life in the presence of Almighty God, our Lord and Savior. 
And that's not just us. This is really the experience of people throughout the world, throughout all time. It was the experience of the disciples of Jesus. John chapter 18 says immediately after this prayer, the disciples, they weren't filled with this, this in, un, un, imaginable expectation of being in God's glory. But what they do? Jesus out there praying, the gathers gets them, they just fall asleep. And in Gethsemane, his disciples in particular, Peter, James, and John, they did not see Christ actually in his glory, but they saw him in his, his, his distress, and they couldn't really grasp what this glory was there. And that's true. And it's also true that Jesus was indeed suffering very much on his way to the cross. Matthew 26, verse 38, Jesus says to his disciples there, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here, watch with me. And then in chapter 26, verse 39 of Matthew, uh, he also prays and he says, My father, is possible, let this cup pass from me. Later on, his disciples would observe Jesus being whipped and beaten and humiliated. Then Jesus would be forsaken, even by his closest friends and his disciples. He'd be forsaken even by his father in heaven for three hours when he's on the cross. And he's going to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So his disciples would see Jesus, so not in his exaltation there, but in his humiliation. They would see him not in his glory, but in the shame that was his when he was hanging there on the cross. But now I want you to go back to John chapter 17 and to the prayer of Jesus just before all these things took place. And what Jesus focused on in John chapter 17 isn't all that humiliation. He's focused on this, on this glory, the victory of the cross, the victory over sin, the victory of the grave. And, he, and, and his desire is that we, his, his people, might also have victory over these things and we might see him in his glory. And, and I want you to just to notice those words of verse 24 here because they're, it's just beautiful. Father, he prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. But just see how it starts here. How does he begin his prayer here in this verse? Father, I desire this. I want you to think about that word. You see, when a, when a Christian's grown old, or when a Christian has been battling illness for a long time and his or her body is breaking down, the Christian will often start thinking and talking more about heaven than the desire to be with God will grow. It's a good thing. But how often do we actually get to think that this is Christ's desire for us? That he wants this for us. He says, Father, it's not their desire that they're going to be with us. He says, Father, it's my desire that they're going to be with us. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am. Where? Here in heaven in glory. That's an amazing thing to think about. You see, it, it would be one thing for Christ to say, well, yes, I've gone through all this hard work, and so it's been wonderful. I accept them, and I'm going to allow them. I'm going to let them come into my presence because their sin is covered. Yes, that would be wonderful. That would be amazing. But it's another thing that Jesus praying. He says, no, I, I want this. I desire this. This is my prayer. 
This is my will for them. That those people whom the Father has given to me, that they're going to be with me in heaven and share in my glory. This is what the Lord Jesus is longing for. He's not praying that his disciples or us will necessarily leave the world immediately right now. In fact, that's not the case. He, he, he already said this in verse 15. He says, I, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them out from the evil one. And it's not as though that means that we should be so otherworldly that we, we are not concerned at all about our life here or about our health or these things. But now in verse 24, he's longing for the time when those whom the Father gives him will be with him in the heavenly places and will see him in his glory. Scottish preacher Robert Murray McShane, he once said, In truth, Christ cannot lack you. He cannot be without you. You are his jewels, his crown. Heaven would be no heaven to him if you were not there. That's, that's a strong statement of his, but this is where it comes from. Uh, someone else, Patrick Ramsey, I'm not so familiar with him. He, he wrote, think about that for a moment and let its truth sink deep into your innermost being and your heart will soar to the highest heavens in inexpressible joy and wonder and praise. And so even as we think about Jesus, and this is the time in, uh, in our church calendar where we've We've just celebrated Good Friday and, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on, on Easter Sunday. We anticipate that you know, after 40 days, we'll have that time. We'll get together to remember the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also in this time, let's consider then what our Lord Jesus Christ was preparing, was hoping for, and was praying for and anticipating in those 40 days. He was anticipating the time when he would no longer be with his people in the flesh at all here on earth but he was anticipating the time when all people here on earth his people that is would one day be with him in heaven and you remember what what jesus had already said in john chapter 14 john 14 verse 1 to 3 let not your hearts be troubled believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so i would would i have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Another Bible verse, Ephesians 2, 4-7. I'll just read that. For God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And... And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see, this is, this is what Christ has come to accomplish. That because of his suffering and death on the cross and because of his resurrection, he would also then rise and ascend into heaven, not so that he could just leave us alone and say, I'm done with these people, but so that we might be with him and we might be raised with him so that even today in this life, we may indeed catch a glimpse of that glory. But one day we will see that glory in its fullness. So Jesus says, I desire this. 
Uh, just just also then notice, I, I've already mentioned this, but notice again that who Christ wants to be with him, where he is. That's also verse 24 of chapter 17. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. So Christ is praying here for the ones whom the Father has given him. We've, we've already considered this earlier on in this prayer as well. Uh, chapter 17, verse, verse 9. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now, in a sense, we who belong to Jesus then are the Father's gift to him. God the Father has gifted us to the Son. You see, that's who we are. We are the ones whom God the Father has given to the Son as a, and it says in our verses, as a demonstration of His love for His Son. This is also why Jesus desires that we may be with Him where He is. He desires this because we've been given to Him by the Father and we are evidence of the Father's love for His Son. Oh, back in the Psalm, Psalm 2 verse 8, the Father says to the Son, Ask of me, and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And the Father has given that to him. And now the Son wants those whom the Father has given to him to be with him in heaven, to see his glory, and to witness the Father's love for his Son. That's Christ's desire. But let me then go on to my second point, that is Christ's glory. The Lord Jesus Christ goes on. John 17, verse 24. He also says here why he wants us to be with him. And he says it is to see my glory. You have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Christ wants us to see and experience his glory. Back in the Old Testament, God's people caught a glimpse of this from time to time. Uh, Exodus 24 verse 16 says that the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. Remember when the people of Israel, they came to Mount Sinai in the wilderness and you had the, 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 the thunderings and the lightnings and the smoke and so forth and the glory of the Lord de descended upon that mountain. Uh, verse 17 of Exodus 24, it says the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Uh, later on in Exodus chapter 33, Moses, the man of God, he asked God, he says, show me your glory. But in this particular case, God says, you cannot see me in my glory and live because God is holy and because Moses was not. And so God said, I'm going to get, you're going to get this close to see my glory. I'm going to get you and I'm going to put your face in the cleft of a rock. In other words, I'm, you're going to be facing, you're, you're going to be turn your back on me. And it's in only that way that I'm going to pass by you in your glory, in my glory. So Moses sees something of God's glory, but not his full glory. Because no one in his sin-filled state could see God's glory and live. And even then, the Bible says that when Moses came down from the mountain after speaking with God, his face still reflected something of this glory that had shone so brightly that the people of Israel that called him and asked him, please put a veil over your face, because otherwise we can't see it. And although the Lord of glory came to live with his covenant people Israel, 
because of their sin. He was there in his glory in that special room in the temple, in the tabernacle. That, that special room, that most holy place where no one could go to except the high priest and he could only go once a year. And the Bible speaks about this Ark of the Covenant, this golden box, and of the two cherubim like angels there with their wings covering it and that his glory dwelt in the midst there. Close to the people but separate from them. But then came Jesus himself. And remember what John 1 verse 14 says. And the Word became flesh. This is Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Even then, as Jesus walked on this earth, they were not able to see the fullness of the glory of God. Indeed, he humbled himself and he spoke about the glory which was his from before the foundation of the world. He gave up something of that glory to come down to earth. It's only in the occasional time, I think, for example, of that Mount of Transfiguration where, where Peter, James and John, they accompanied Jesus onto this mountain and there they saw Jesus transfigured before them where his face shone like the sun, his clothes became white as light, where, where the, the greatness of the glory of Jesus was, was seen for an instant by just these three men. And so what we see here is that for as long as Jesus was, was walking on this earth, prior to his ascension into heaven, his, his glory and the glory of God could only be seen in, in, in glimpses. Because Jesus had emptied himself of the glory that was his from before the, before the foundation of the world. He humbled himself. Yes, even to death on a cross. But now what's Jesus praying for in John chapter 17? His desire is that we who belong to Him would be there with Him, that we can see Him in the fullness of that glory. And then when you go through the Bible, in particular, I think of the book of Revelation now, we, we get to see and to read a bit more of that glory as well of the glory the Father has given to the Son. Oh, we can't understand it all. But the Scriptures do teach us something of that. For example, Revelation chapter 5, we get the Lamb of God. That's Jesus there. We have the four living creatures, 24 elders, falling down before the Lamb to worship Him. The voice of many angels around the throne, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. And they're saying this, Revelation 5, they're saying, worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And verse 13, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And so, so this, this is heaven. I asked at the beginning of this sermon whether or not we're actually thinking about heaven enough and what it's like. But this is what heaven is like. It's the place where Jesus Christ has ascended in all His glory. And it's where we're going to see Him in His glory. And we're going to be amazed. You know, when people talk about heaven, you know, we often talk about it as a nice place. Uh, pearly gates, streets of gold. No doubt it is a good place. We speak also about the joy that is ours when we will see and, and recognize also, loved ones who have died in the Lord. Or when we'll see and recognize also those that the Bible speaks of there also. These will be wonderful things. But the first thing for us to understand about heaven is that heaven is the place where our Lord Jesus Christ has ascended and where He is now in all His glory and that we are going to 
be there and see and witness that. And how great is the glory that the Father and His love has given to His Son? Revelation 21, 22 tells us something about that glory. The glory which will be revealed when our Lord returns, when God shall dwell with His people in the new Jerusalem. Revelation 21, 23. The city, the new Jerusalem, has no need for the sun. The glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the Lamb. The greatness and the brilliance of the glory of Jesus Christ, which the Father has given the Son in His love, the greatness and the brilliance of the glory of Jesus Christ is so great that the Son's brightness, it would pale to insignificance to the point that there's no need for a Son. And Jesus Christ, He wants His people to see this. He wants us to be there with Him to behold His glory. A glory that is so great that its light chases the darkness away. We can't understand all this. We can't fully comprehend it. It's so much better, so much grander, so much greater than we could ever imagine. And why does the Lord desire that you might see His glory? Or verse 24, the very end of that. I desire that they might see my glory you've given me because... Because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus wants us to see that the Father loves the Son. And the glory that the Father gives the Son is the proof of how much He loves Him. The Father's love for His Son is staggering. It's incomprehensible to us. But we're going to see something of it. And we're going to see this when we see Jesus in His glory. But that's not all. Because when we're taken up to Christ, then we'll get to share in His glory. We will share in the glory that the Father has given the Son. Those are the last two verses of chapter, 20, of chapter 17. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. You see, this is Jesus' desire for you and for me, and for all whom the Father has given him. That we might not just share in his glory, but that we might share in the Father's love. That Christ might be in us, and with us. And this is also then why, when a, when a loved one passes away in the Lord, a, a fellow believer passes in the, in the Lord, we'll sometimes say this person was, was taken up into glory. She's taken up to be with Christ. He's seeing God's glory. They are sharing in His glory. John MacArthur once said that, that heaven is... Heaven is all glory and all love. When we're in heaven, we're going to see God's glory shining in the face of Jesus Christ. We'll see that glory and know that glory as a manifestation of the Father's love for His Son. And we're going to be swept up in that glory and we're going to reflect that glory. 
that glory will shine on us and from us. And we will bask in that same glory that the Father gives His Son. We'll be immersed in that same love and we'll be loved by the Father the same way He loves His Son and has loved Him since the foundation of the world. And that's why we should be thinking more about heaven. Because that's what it's going to be like when we get there. That's what it's going to be like when we enter into the presence of God. When we get to heaven, then we'll see Christ face to face in all His glory. And when we see Him, then Christ will, in effect, He will say, My prayer that's recorded in John 17 has been answered. My desire is fulfilled. And effectively, He'll be saying to us, Come, you whom the Father has given me. Enter into my presence and rejoice in my glory. Amen.